Hello and welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I'm Braden Dowler-Coltman. I'm joined as always by Jordan Dowler-Coltman. How's it going, Jordan? Good. It's been a little while since we had a race, like a whole month. And, yeah, we uh, had the uh, summer break. And just just to top off the summer break, we had uh, the race gods kind of say, no way, you're not racing. Two laps will be enough. Um, so we're going to touch on that and what that meant and the... I believe that was the Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, and then we're going to hit off on uh, the Dutch Grand Prix next weekend. All right, so uh, Belgian Grand Prix this week, we, we had a, or last week rather, we had a, a long hiatus in the summer. Um, and then they ended up in Belgium, the Spa Francorchamps. I'm butchering that so bad. Uh, but that's where it was. Just call it Spa. And I guess that's what most people do. Yeah. I'm still new to this sport, so uh, I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to gain as much knowledge as possible. Um, so we had a qualifying, uh, pretty standard qualifying. There was no sprint or any action like that. But what was uh, crazy about this qualifying was that there was a lot of rain, uh, and that impacted the racers uh, and where they ended up. Um, and then Jordan, we had two laps the next day, and that was it. Uh, what What's your takeaway from Spa? Well, let's go back to what you mentioned there a second ago about qualifying. Qualifying is where everything really came came to a head and, and a lot of drama there, obviously. Uh, the first major storyline coming out of qualifying was, yes, the rain and how serious the rain was. Uh, both Lando Norris and um, Sebastian Vettel were the last two out there uh, at one point and, and, and Norris um, had a very serious crash, spun around several times, all four wheels came off the car. And moments before that, over the radio, we had heard how Vettel had been saying to the team, his Aston Martin team, that he didn't feel it was safe to be out there at all. And of course, then moments later, he watched uh, uh, Norris go around and around in front of him. He actually stopped to make sure Norris was okay, which is a great act of showman or of uh, uh, sportsmanship. How many G's do you think of- he took? That was an amazing collision. Yeah, it would have hurt a lot, um, and definitely he seemed to be feeling the effects of it uh, the next day. But uh, he was prepared to race, and they obviously had to change out the chassis and change out the power unit. And he he had taken a, a serious uh, penalty because of that, just based on the rules. We saw that earlier in the year with Charles Leclerc, and they Ferrari elected not to change the power unit going into Monaco, and he lost out on being able to compete at his home race. Norris was ready to really race, but of course, then yes, the the second major part of the storyline uh, was the rain. Just before we get there, though, there was one more piece of qualifying, and that was George Russell, who absolutely, I think, shocked people with how well he qualified. Now he's been nicknamed Mister Saturday throughout the season because he's been racing so well on Saturdays. Because we talked about multiple times, I think, on this show how the Williams car just is not currently good enough to be able to race in dirty air. Uh, they seem to only be able to get that car to perform when there's open, clean air ahead of them, and that's what they get on the Saturday qualifying setup. And uh, and he had his best Saturday ever, qualified second, front row, and everyone was really looking forward to see what he could do on uh, Sunday, given that that qualifying position. Uh, it ended up being what would catapult him uh, to the podium. But um, but yeah, so then the rain the rain came down, and and it was sad. And for those of us who PVR'd it here in the Western Hemisphere. It was a very uh, long, fast-forwarding, sort of drawn-out process waiting to see if we would ever get a race in at all. Well, it, it makes me wonder, cars at the uh, the back of the 
race usually it, it seems would you would you agree that maybe they're um what's the word i'm looking for um engineering would be more focused on that kind of race that kind of strategy of how do we compete with dirty air because it seems like there's no way really around that and they have to upgrade their car but how much of that goes into that process do you think well there's certainly some of it you're right the mercedes uh have had the luxury of knowing that they're going to be up near the front of the pack and so their aerodynamics packages they never have to worry about it Exactly. They've certainly had different things to think about. And you're right. Maybe the teams at the back have their engineers have to think more about how does your car, you know, handle uh, that situation. But that being said, you know, you're still pushing right to the limits of what these cars are capable of doing. And, 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 you know, these cars, the amount of energy being generated by these power units means a lot of air to cool it and a lot of air to to keep it, the combustion, you know, healthy and running, and uh, they're always going to struggle with turbulent air. Now, what we're we can look forward to, I think, going into next year, is that the the new um, classifications and the new design for the twenty twenty two car is designed to address this very issue, uh, helping to reduce dirty air, uh, reduce drag created by it, and to help get clean, fresh air into those engines more efficiently. That's supposed to allow um the cars at the back to be able to follow more closely creating more opportunities for overtaking and uh and in turn making racing more exciting so that's sort of being addressed hopefully moving forward but uh but yeah you do see we have seen a lot of uh the the bottom of the table teams struggle this season with uh with their cars not yeah, being able to is, compete in those situations which is what's what's made george russell's second place finish uh in the in the two laps they had all that more exciting um do you think he has a shot at uh catching i mean there's like nine races left do you think he has a shot at catching stroller sonoda i think he's got like 13 points now the both of those guys have about 18 yeah it's possible i mean this is what we have to continually remind yourself is that you know this is an incredibly unpredictable sport everything can can change uh, you know in the in a fraction of a second as we've seen races that we seen we saw we thought were going to go one way all of a sudden you know the whole storyline changes that's what you know Ocon got a win recently because of you know just a little bit of chaos happening around him and being able to survive it and George Russell the beneficiary of some bad weather today it's very unlikely I think that his car would have put him on the podium had they raced the full the full uh, race however you know being in the front you know he anyone who's going to say oh it's not a real podium it's like no he earned this he earned yeah, this by, by right. qualifying the way the circumstances were the same for every team and he's probably um, on cloud nine which is amazing because absolutely no absolutely it's and well be, deserved because he's had a great year that's right and so we we talked we talked a little bit about next year we talked a little bit about the, the changes coming carlos Sainz was announced as a return seat for 2022 with red bull um when's mercedes gonna not carlos Sainz, uh, sergio Perez. Oh, my apologies. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Carlos Sainz is also staying put at Ferrari. At Ferrari uh, with Leclerc. I want to know That's when right. Mercedes is going to make uh, a call here on their second seat. It, all, all signs are pointing towards George Russell. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think at this point it's a foregone conclusion. It, it, it just feels like at the time is right for Mercedes to move on from Valtteri Bottas and, prepare for the next the next uh generation to take an opportunity to chase lewis and lewis obviously has already signed on for next year which is good news for mercedes is uh they are absolutely loving the the rivalry between he and max and and 
with Red Bull signing their two drivers, it sets the two major teams up for another head-to-head season. And I think that this performance does nothing but help George Russell, obviously, um, but it won't be the deciding factor. I think they've they probably Toto Wolf and, and the Mercedes team has probably already made up their mind. They're just waiting on, you know, crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. And that could take a couple more weeks. Uh, we are kind of in the window of the year. Uh, where traditionally we start to see some teams making some announcements about uh, those who are coming and going, and we we are starting to get those trickle out. This the the summer break is usually the the best time for drivers to start meeting with teams and and having a little bit of that. You've got half the season behind you. You kind of know what you're dealing with, and then you can turn your your focus a little bit to the future. Just just quickly before we touch on the next race here, who do you think is at risk of losing a seat? like not having any seat in the F1 next year. Well, uh, uh, losing their currency, I guess is more, more specific. Well, I think Valtteri Bottas is very unlikely to return to Mercedes. Uh, I, 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 Valtteri Bottas is not going to leave F1. No, but the question mark will be the same. It was a little bit, I think for Sergio Perez last year, if, you know, if that decision isn't made relatively soon for Mercedes, seats are going to start to go away. Good Mm -hmm. seats are going to start to go away and then you have to ask yourself well what's available obviously there's a big question mark about whether or not this is the end for Kimi Raikkonen and does he retire um if so there's a seat of Alfa Romeo available for Valtteri Bottas um we've seen several older drivers including Kimi end up at, at a team like Alfa Romeo uh does Giovinazzi come back for Alfa Romeo more than likely I think they're quite happy with his performances this year but you don't we don't know that um then you know then you have to ask yourself what else opens up so does there is there a, a, you know it, it, if Alfa Romeo is looking for two new drivers one of them might be Valtteri Bottas but the other one very possibly could be Mick oh, Schumacher boy. moving over from from Haas because of course he was courted by both of those two teams and the question whether or not he's happy at Haas will be uh, asked Nikita Mazepin's already signed with Haas so one of their seats is secured um you go down you know the rest of the table you know Lance Stroll and and uh, Sebastian Vettel are are both sounds like they're both signed up for Aston Martin it looks like McLaren's happy with their two drivers they're not going mm-hmm. anywhere mm-hmm. um so then, yeah, maybe Valtteri Bottas finds himself having to just simply do a one-for-one swap, and he ends up in a Williams. Play some I mean, it's e, hard to say. E-formula for a little bit or something. I don't think he's leaving F1, as you said. I think he's going to get at least one more contract there to see if he's still got something. You know, The window for him to be a world champion, I think, has closed. But he has an opportunity to continue to win races, and the question is, can he do it in another Yeah team's uh setup now look williams is obviously very much been helped by the absolute you know next generational talent of of george russell pushing that car as fast as it can but they are also demonstrating that they are designing a car that is better than any williams we've seen in the last four or five years and moving into this next era can they continue to do that 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 you know will yeah wait and it's to be been seen, a pro- it's if- been a program a strong program for a long time Absolutely. and i think that what you're saying there with the new era that's that's a huge component here because they that's are right. under new leadership now and and, and they they're really make it their own right 
the next design of these cars is set up to benefit exactly their kind of team. That's team awesome. That has been chasing from behind, but an opportunity there. And if Valtteri Bottas has one of those seats, it will, yeah. but we'll wait and see. It looks like Alpine is also going to stick with their two drivers. So it's hard to say. If where, Bottas where could a be a, a number one seat, I think he's got a, a really good chance at, at staying highly competitive in F1. All right, let's, uh, let's leave that conversation alone let's just quickly touch here on um the upcoming race the dutch grand prix this sunday uh, we got qualifying saturday some practice friday at the cm.com circuit van Wert in north holland this sounds like a fun place my understanding is it's uh, a rather fast track jordan what do people need to know about the dutch grand prix well it's obviously going to be max verstappen's home race that's going to be exciting uh there's going to be a lot of attention on him and and i mean it's funny because a lot of orange flags really you mean yeah totally and we didn't get a race mm-hmm. this week so we're kind of right where we started i i mean i shouldn't say we didn't get a race we got two laps and i was just well, those you know, poor the, fans the didn't still get a count. race though and that... yeah <laughs> and i think that that's definitely what disappointed hey. people the most so just also a, a quick housekeeping thing there the the the, the results from this weekend uh, every point that was assigned for the final table is is cut in half. So the traditional numbers have all been slashed in half because they didn't make it through 75% of what the set race was. So Verstappen oh, okay, might have okay. won, but he only gained 12.5 points. Russell had gotcha. nine points for his second place and Hamilton in third only got 7.5. So there's, you know... Although Verstappen can say he came back from the summer break and with a win, not you know, not in the traditional sense, he's still trailing um, Hamilton by three points or three and a half. No, yeah. just three points. They've three each points. got half points now. Mm-hmm. So you know, this will be the real comeback race for both of them, and to see who get, who's going to take the, the the lead here, or or in Hamilton's case, in, it increases lead. So that'll be exciting, and that's really I think the major storyline is just. To, won't it be great if we can actually get back to real racing? Because oh, no uh, that's what the fans and everybody, and I'm sure all the teams, it's 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 kind of like this. You know, you come back from the from the break with all of this uh, anticipation and all of this sort of energy ready to go, and and, and you just literally get rained out. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Well, and I think for Verstappen, this is a whole month, and he was out early in the Hungarian Grand Prix. Uh, and That's I think true. he was out again in the British Grand Prix, so he hasn't he hasn't raced a lot uh, in a little while. Uh, so it'll be uh, it'll be nice to see him competing again back on the track. Um, what else do people need to know here about this race? Well, I think, like I said, you know, it's it, it, it's going to tell us a lot about what's what's coming up in, in, in the future for us. Uh, as as you mentioned, it's a it's a very fun track, uh, seventy two laps. Uh, you know, a couple of really nice tight turns, but some awesome straightaways too. You know, between uh, sort of the, the the pit row straightaway is a nice uh, aggressive place for some from for some passes that ends in quite a tight hairpin turn, uh, and then there's some good sloping elevation. So it's one of those race courses that definitely um, there's potential for fun drama, and if teams, uh, you know, if the teams can can push throughout qualifying and we can get an interesting uh another kind of interesting full weekend out of it that would be awesome okay well it's certainly uh, bound to be an exciting race i hope that we get all three hours of the experience uh and that we've got nice weather um it's 
It's going to be happening Sunday, September 5th, 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, set your PVRs or what, or what have you. You do not want to miss this race. We've been far too long away from racing. Um, thanks again for checking out the Pit Stop podcast. We are uh, uh, happy to be back. Jordan, thanks so much. Thank you. And uh, you can check out everything Pitstop podcast on the Hattrick feed on Instagram. Uh, and you can find this podcast anywhere that you stream your podcasts. Until next week, thank you very much. The Pitstop podcast is presented by Hattrick Sports and is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. The show is produced by Jordan and Braden Dollar Coltman each week, but mainly Jordan. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.